Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with us today, we have James Walker, Mr. JWW. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> not bad, not bad. Can you sort of do a little mini intro, sort of who you are, what you do for the audience that have not come across you before? Yeah, so I guess you would call me a YouTuber. Some of the, in- the industry like to refer to us as influencers, <laughs> and it's funny because that's that's quite an offensive term to an influencer. <laughs> I don't know where that term came from. It's very much an industry thing. An influencer will never refer to themselves as an influencer. It's the most egotistical term you could probably dream yeah. of. Um, but anyway, I'm an auto- automotive YouTuber, um, which in short, before the world got put on pause, means we used to travel the world uh, going on all of the latest, greatest car launches, filming them and then sharing them with petrol heads across the planet um and in between product launches of major brands we would also take the audience along for our own journeys of our own cars and road trips and track days and gumball rallies and things like that and um yes yeah, so I've, I've been doing this for five and a half years now um i started on my iphone for fun it was never supposed to be a thing and then before i knew it i had uh, brands phoning me up saying, do you want to come on these launches? And that sort of self perpetuated the content. And when that snowball g- gathered in- enough mass, it allowed me an- enough time and financial freedom to step away from the n- nine till five. And now I pinch myself every morning thinking that I've got to get up and film a supercar. So <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> it's, um, for, for those that have not come across James, we will go check out his channel, Mr. JWW, on all, all platforms and whatnot. But we did a podcast a long, 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 long time ago now, Sometime probably two back. years ago. 
um, yeah. which was sort of how you got into it all and your journey and all, all of those sorts of things. And then um, you've actually, I think you could possibly be the first person to have been on the podcast three times because wow. you were last like on it February 2020, <laughs> which was crikey. Okay, we were wow. pretty chilled back then. Um, we didn't and really then, know uh, things were going to melt then, did we? No. Did we do? Did we do a snow tour like that? Last yeah, year? I think. Did we re- not last year? No, not last no, year. No, it was the year before. We didn't. It was the year before um, because I remember when we were all on when the world got put on pause. Our snow tour group, the WhatsApp group, is sending photos, going, "Oh, I, I really miss yes. this and remember yes. that." And what are we going to do next year? And we still haven't done one. We were all hopeful that we, we were going to do one at the beginning of twenty twenty one, but apparently not. Yeah. Well, okay, so 2020, you've, uh, I guess things changed a lot for your normal schedule and you were sort of stuck at home a lot. Was yeah, that... like it changed huge. Difficult. <laughs> well, it was crazy. I mean, you know, for a spot of context, in 2019, I did 80 flights, eight zero mm. flights. And... Since the end of 2019, I've been on six flights. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I say I've been at home a bit, um, that would probably give you an idea of the sort of change of lifestyle. And actually, weirdly, you know, not not saying that the whole COVID situation was a good thing in any way, shape or form. But from a personal point of view, I'd not long had a baby boy. So mm. I was at home all of a sudden to be present for him and his very yeah. early formative years. So that was great. And to be honest, at the end of 19, I was physically, mentally, emotionally destroyed just because <laughs> the schedule of it is relentless. And um, you're never in the same time zone for a week. I remember at the end of 19, I was on an Audi RS6 launch in LA. And and then I, I had a phone call that same week to say, can you come to Saudi and do something? Mm. And I remember just completely changing plans, going, okay, I'm going to cut this this trip short, go over to Saudi. LA to Saudi is like a real mind-bending thing, you know? <laughs> it's like, hold on a minute. Um, and then immediately after that, we went to Tenerife on an, on an Audi RS Q8 launch. And this happened within the space of like seven days. And my body yeah. was like, what am I doing? So while my entire life did get put on pause and I was literally at home doing nothing for like three months, it was really good to be present as a dad and rejuvenate and address the diet. Because you know what it's like on the road. If anyone doesn't know, Sam and I have shared a a lot of road trips. And just road life's the worst, you know? There's no like healthy service station. So um, multiply that with like lack of sleep and lots of, different time zones um i actually managed to rejuvenate over 2020 (laughs) (laughs) so right let's have a little look at what is the state of state of mr jww at the moment what in the last year the what what's going on with the team i feel like it's all expanded significantly got another base loads going on what is the team jww at the moment so we, um, as it happens, at halfway through 2019, a good friend of mine, Darren McDermott, um, he identified that I looked absolutely shattered. And we've been friends for, for years through the car world. And yeah. he invited me to go to the collection of his McLaren Senna day. 
and I turned up and then there was friends and family there and it was a really special occasion and and he pulled me to one side and he was like are you all right I was like yeah yeah, I'm fine he's like no disrespect but you look horrendous <laughs> right? I was like really I said yeah you know I'm just on this content train and it very much is like that you're on this hamster wheel right mm. and the algorithm and the audience they're this relentless consumption machine like you can put your heart and soul into making a polished production and the first comment is what's next you know it yeah. doesn't matter what you actually do so 2019 i'd probably rinsed you know everything i could i could and for years myself and Darren, every time we meet up, you know, when you just meet that like mind person and you're yeah. like, you know, one day let's do something. And we'd always catch up about projects and go, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could do this, do that, etc. And then when it came to the point when he was genuinely concerned about my health, <laughs> he was like, do you know what, it, you know, really, if you do want to do something, now's the time. And he quite rightly said, he was like, in a weird way, you're kind of like a taxi driver or a hairdresser in that unless you're in the seat or behind the chair, you're not earning. You're not actually yeah. doing anything. Unless I'm in front of a camera, the channel only ticks yeah. if I'm there. And so if I'm ill, channel stops. You know, if I need to take a holiday, channel stops. And it just got to the point where I maximized the amount of content that I could produce. Mm. And um, without the the idea of a team it was i wouldn't say it would stagnate but the concept of growth and expansion would have taken a lot longer or would have reached a natural ceiling based on the amount of manpower yeah. and so uh, since that september and then through the course of lockdown uh, darren and i effectively put together a plan to join forces as it were and we set up a company called the production bunker and that's allowed us to plug in team. So hmm. we effectively have uh, full-time cameraman, editors. We've got people dealing with brand deals, logistics, uh, the, the bunker studio, which we actually have as a physical building now, um, is a base which was designed really to put, sort of put bricks on the ground because not too many people in this space do that. Do we yeah. sort of feel the need to keep it all online? But also it was it was an opportunity to not have to travel as much in order to create content. We yeah. had it where brands would, thankfully, they really liked the concept of this studio. And instead of having to fly halfway around the world to film a car, they'd go, do you know what? That place looks really cool. Why don't we just drop off the car there? Yeah, And that for me has been a game changer. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, lockdown came and with that all of the rules about social distancing and how many people you could have in a space and so we we uh started a a a series focusing on sort of contemporary classics so from sort of the late 80s and till sort of early 2000s filming everything from f40 up to sort of sls black series yeah and it was a great series because it allowed me to film at home at that base. Yeah. Lots of brands, you know, often have a, a sort of heritage fleet where, yeah. you know, I can phone up and go, Oh, you know, that 997 3.8 RS you've got, is there any chance I can use that? And during lockdown brands very quick, 
basically twigged on that they could drop a car off with us and have no responsibility. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, yeah, you've got all that COVID stuff sorted out, right? Okay. <laughs> there you go. And so that after lockdown one, which I honestly spent my YouTube channel became like the YouTube equivalent of Dave. It was just reruns, right? Yeah. So I would sit there and I'd go back <laughs> over old, over old stuff. And I'd be like, Oh, there's some footage here. I, I didn't share or there were some stories I didn't tell. And I would sit in my kitchen with my, with the like TV yeah. on in the background. And I would tell these, these stories about untold journeys. And that just scraped me through lockdown. Yeah. And then after that, we managed to get the bunker built and that acted as our base for the following 12 months then. Cause there was no car launches. There was no traveling anywhere. New content wasn't really available because there wasn't too many, um, you know, road trips going on. Well, road yeah. trips, zero. Track days began to unfold a bit, but there's only so much track content you can actually film. So we were like, right, we need to come up with a series. And so we ended up putting through these sort of modern classics, really, It was which, uh, which is really what launched that space. And um, yeah. Since then, team's grown, and um, the bunker started out as a building in itself. Uh, but over the next few weeks and months, um, you'll uh, probably find that the bunker as a name will become more of a bunker group, mm. um, and it'll have lots of sub things from there, which we've been we've been graced with the time really to actually work on that because I haven't yeah, been yeah. all over the world, so. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I've I've heard that from a, a lot of people who've been sort of artificially stopped. Now, yes, that can be an awful thing, and for a lot of people, it's it's been an absolute nightmare. But having some kind of enforced like you can't just keep run, 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 you've got to stop. And loads of people, I think, quite a few people I know have like really looked at their overall what they're doing and whether this is the journey and how they want to do it and whether they want to do it differently and like have start to yeah. put in plans for changing it for the better longer term because you know, like as you said it is just like a a massive hamster wheel that everyone's on <laughs> yeah. in, in that kind of content you know is, youtube yeah. type yeah, world and like from from for me definitely like there's doing these i've done tons more but they're all pretty much they're all done over the internet so it saves like you obviously it's great when we see each other but like you don't have to drive yeah. two hours down to london i don't have <laughs> to drive two hours up to you and then then you do the thing that you're there you're there to do and then the yeah. extra two hours to get home and whatever and you're and then you're like oh, you said man, you're yeah. eating crap food on the road and you're yep. away from home and you you lose <laughs> so much time but yeah, yeah it must be great having cars I have this on a tiny level. I can now have cars delivered to where I am because I've got some space. Um, but yeah. being able to have cars dropped off at the bunker and then having a bit of a track and like oh, awesome. and great roads nearby and stuff is, yeah, must be really yeah. great. It's been a game changer. I mean, it was, um, you know, what your typical launch would look like. And it's funny because, you know, from an audience point of view, it's our job to sort of, um, paint this very, you know, the content we put out is an escapism from mm. most people. There's a certain amount of, of people who are watching that video because they might genuinely be interested in driving that car. 
But the inherent nature of the channel is we're focusing on supercars, hypercars. There's only a small amount of people who are probably in the market for that. So the rest of the audience is watching it for entertainment, education, etc. And so there was this big part of it where we wanted to entertain the audience through this, the escapism of the locations that we were going to, because brands do a phenomenal job of landing you in the most abstract place you would never go to drive a car, yeah. like literally on the side of a volcano or something like that. And yeah. and so you would come away with this amazing catalog of lifestyle content. And that was a great thing. And then all of a sudden you hit the pause button and you're filming in your yeah. kitchen. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like, okay, how am I going to do this? So truthfully, if it wasn't for having the bunker, I'd have struggled because it would have been like, right, what, what format do we actually have here? Um, mm. And I, I generally keep all of my house and private life off screen. So I didn't want cars yeah. dropped off at home. So I was like, how are we planning on doing this? And it was kind of with hindsight, really. You know, we got the keys to the bunker end of 2019. So we didn't mm. know the world was about to get paused. Right? Yeah. So it just so happens with hindsight that we got this space and we we're like, okay, it's a great space. We got our own track and we've got some great roads. And thankfully the backdrop of this studio appealed to brands and they were on the phone saying, do you want this? Do you want that? And it just worked out well. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. One, one brand you you did some stuff with small, small, small company, not particularly interested. Mm. Kearney's egg. <laughs> yeah. 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 You did a series driving like all the cars. Yeah, so we did a series called The Chronicles of Koenigsegg. And um, this was an amazing project that I'm still amazed that it actually <laughs> happened. And that was that was as a result of my business partner, Darren, who I was just you know speaking about. He's a good client of the brand. I'd got fairly, fairly friendly with Christian over the years from filming cars. And um, we'd also put a deposit on a um, Koenigsegg Jumeirah earlier that year. And yeah. so we got a really good, good thing happening there. And we got quite a lot of content planned as part of that journey. And then, of course, world stopped. Everyone stopped. <laughs> so we were like, well, we really like to showcase some more Koenigsegg story. And the journey on my channel had been quite sort of split up, like random drives here and there of various cars. There wasn't a yeah. great deal of story to it and we thought you know wouldn't it be great to set the context for our audience as to where this journey started as a brand because i think the majority of headlines of koenigsegg are world's fastest car here or you know yeah. fastest zero to 400 to zero mark or something like that and so we um we worked really closely with super Vatura, who are the koenigsegg dealer over here in the yeah. uk together with the factory and remarkably we managed to pull together six Koenigseggs that I had to film and drive all in the same week. <laughs> so, so which from an insurance point of view was challenging because I think on our car park on day one of filming, <laughs> the car park was valued at 40 million quid. So our insurers were like, what are you doing here? Are you taking out on the road or are you taking out on the track? We're like, we're doing both. Um, and so the actual logistics of getting those cars in one place wasn't too bad, 
Because when the factory phone, when, when Christian phones up an owner and goes, hey, we're filming this series. Is there any chance we can use your yeah. car? It generally happens because I, I'm finding it owners of, of Koenigseggs are fantastic ambassadors of that brand. They really love to use them, get them out there and actually share them. The logistics of getting insured on that is a very different story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and it, also as well, there's one thing getting insured on a car to drive it when it turns into a commercial operation. So yeah. obviously my line of work is making films. It wasn't just driving these cars. So yeah. as soon as the insurance found out that I wasn't just driving them, I was filming them as well. It just went to a completely different area. And to actually arrange that took about three months, took a long Ooh. time. So, but what that resulted in was almost the very earliest Koenigsegg made landed at the bunker, punctuated by every other Koenigsegg model, which had been made up to that point. So, yeah. uh, and we also launched that uh, with a great interview with Christian. I mean, you've had him on the channel, mm. right? You know, you could just press play on that guy and just listen That's to so him good. talk. So, and the insight he gave us into the brand and how it started and these incredible stories. And that's how it sort of launched. And then off the back of that, over the course of six weeks, we would launch an episode starting with the earliest car, which back then was like, which sounds crazy now because it's still a lot now, but there was like a 600 horsepower car, which is still nuts, <laughs> right? It's still crazy. Uh, 600 horsepower, rear wheel drive, manual, like big, heavy manual gearbox um and now they're like 1800 horsepower and yeah. we finished with the the koenigsegg Ruggera, which has no gears at all yes. you know it's a it's a direct drive single geared like hybrid um and to condense that journey for me i drove it all in one week for the audience it was dragged out over about six yeah. weeks but hopping from generation was was bonkers it was like i cannot believe the rate of evolution of this company which by and large is quite small and what they create out, out of there in sweden the the dude's loose man like he, he creates some <laughs> unbelievable things unbelievable stuff so yeah it was an amazing journey and we were really honored that that was effectively an official um koenigsegg supported um film so yeah, yeah it's cool. super cool so like the early car so what was the early one what was the earliest one you drove was it like a ccr or something like that uh, yeah, CCR. Um, we we couldn't get hold of the CC8. Um, okay, there yeah. was, was that the first one, one available? Yeah, oh, we couldn't get hold of that. There was there's one in a museum, um, which is just down the road from the factory, and logistically it was hard work. So yeah, we couldn't get that. But the earliest car, um, it was a it was a bright green one. It was like this iridescent. I think it was literally called Koenigsegg Racing Green. Um, and remarkably, no other Koenigsegg has been painted that that since. It's the only I one. I feel like I've seen that, that green. car somewhere. Yeah, and it has those iconic Koenigsegg wheels. You know, with with the, yeah. all those holes, like fairly flat, yeah, yeah. those holes, and and um, the weighting of everything. I mean, just the shift and the clutch. It was like leg day on the clutch, you know. It was <laughs> it was crazy. But when I drove this thing, I was thinking, crikey, when this thing launched, I mean, at that time, the company really wasn't taken that seriously. It was this no. like, startup from Sweden who builds a supercar in Sweden, right? It's like, yeah. 
And then I, when I got into this thing, I was like, if any journalists actually got their hands on it, then it would have blown their minds because it was it was ridiculous. Like last year, you know, when it was still it, nuts. So when did that car come out? What was the year of the car you drove? Do you know roughly? Um, is it like it 05 was, or something like that, or is it before? Well, it was it was based on a car from the from the late nineties, right? So the actual chassis was based on an early car, and I think this car was like an o o four, yeah, 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 car, o four to o six, apparently. Yes, yeah, 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 that's it. And um, and you get in it, okay. The interior is a bit old, but when you when you set that aside and you look down at the speedo and you're like how is that doing that you know um and everything about it worked you know like the brakes shut off all of the speed i think the most fascinating thing about it was the design language even though it was a little bit crude then has found its way all the way through now like that massive thin sweeping windscreen like you see it and you're like it actually hasn't changed that much as like a mm. fundamental shape but yeah. the technology under it things got pretty hectic fairly, <laughs> got pretty fairly soon after that yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool brand yeah then and then so like okay let's not say the regera but you drove a one mm-hmm. one right mm. yeah. which is that's kind of the regera is, is is i would say it's like something different isn't it it's like the whole single gear yeah. thing puts it in yeah. a different category to these other cars. But one yeah. one, what's that? Fifteen hundred horsepower? No, no, it's like thirteen forty or something. Yeah, thirteen forty kilos. Yeah, thirteen forty kilos, thirteen forty horsepower. So it's got this roughly unicorn magic one to one power to weight <laughs> ratio. And and um, what's that like? It's 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 absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like. <laughs> It was, I mean, I guess predictably, it was probably the one that I enjoyed the most because it was the most theatrical thing. Yeah. What One thing that I was taken by out of all of it, I mean, we drove it on our track, which is, as far as tracks goes, is very short. It's the least <laughs> conducive track for a Koenigsegg. Let's just, yeah, let's like just say go-kart that. Go-kart track. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely tiny. But when we drove the the one-to-one it rained in the morning and by the by the time we'd done all of the sort of tracking shots and things like that there was just like sort of damp patches yeah it wasn't bad but when you've got that amount of horsepower and torque it's not (laughs) not great but the traction control system that they'd developed on that car um every time i went over a damp patch it sounded like like a road drill it would go like <laughs> like that and i was like what is this noise i was like this is the strangest sound and i and it, and it happened every time i went over this yeah this wet patch yeah it's really really hard i don't know so i got back and i'm actually speaking because during filming we were checking for like stats and making sure everything yeah. was okay so we'd film we would phone the uh, uh factory and the guy at the factory said have you got anything to you know feedback on us that and I said, yeah, funnily enough, every now and again in the one-to-one, this like machine gun goes off in the uh, cab. <laughs> and the first thing he said to me, he goes, is it wet? I said, it's not wet. I said, he goes, is it patchy? I said, yeah. He says, that is the traction control, right? And it, the way that it nips the wheels and cuts in yeah. the power is just, it breaks up the power to such a finite degree. 
that it sounds like a gun, right? <laughs> so every time it's going around, what that noise effectively is, is the ECU and the traction control yeah. keeping all 1,300 horsepower in check over the course of like several tiny moments in yeah, yeah. time. And he was like, yeah, if it, if it doesn't make that noise, you need to be careful because you'll be in to the undergrowth of Oxfordshire really quickly. <laughs> so just be thankful that it's doing that. But I'm not joking. The traction control was like, like that. It was just That's the most amazing thing. That is. Yeah, yeah. It was, but to feel it happening. And once someone had told me it was traction, I was like, oh my God, this thing is witchcraft. It was just gnarly, honestly. And does it like put the power down? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, you know, they, they came up with that now famous triplex suspension yeah. setup, Anti-squat, which effectively blah, blah, blah. runs a third damper, which is this anti-squat. Um, and as a result, you can, you can unleash, you know, like I was giving it flat in second gear and, um, you know, it would, there would be a quick blip on the yeah. d- dashboard to suggest that it just kept you in check for a brief second. And then but, it's off. And then it's off and it just sort of, it has a very mild progressive squat about it. And then once yeah. it's found, it's sort of, you know, trim, it just picks up and goes. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're on a jet ski and until you get to planing, it's a bit weird, yeah, it's yeah. sort of a bit slow. And like the one-to-one was kind of like that in that it's operating window was so high that you had to find some speed for it to actually like yeah, yeah. feel good. And it was very much like that. And at speed, it was amazing. It was just uh, because as well as so light, like 1,300 and something kilograms of a car that big is incredible. And it's a really big car. And then you realize that the wheels are 100 grand each. No, sorry. The wheels are are 100 grand for the whole set, right? And it's like, okay, these are the lightest carbon fiber air core wheels in the world. And when you start to look at every single component in that car it's the lightest version of itself ever made um yeah and so yeah it's a special thing and you know that car on the day was insured for seven million dollars on that day um and that's the sort of thing you have to block out of your mind yeah. when you're filming you're just like just another car you know <laughs> um, yeah like i got yeah, some space cool. it's all right. yeah yeah i mean it's running um you know Nowadays, I guess a single clutch gearbox feels a bit old, but um, uh, you know, in in that car, you kind of don't don't mind because one benefit of a single clutch gearbox is is weight. It's a, yeah. there's just so much less weight in one versus a twin clutch, but also to engineer a twin clutch to gear to deal with that much torque too. So single clutches just inherently deal with torque more, and this this thing in you know in terms of torque i think it was what is it? it's like i think it's it, it, it's over a thousand pounds feet not newton yeah. meters like pounds feet <laughs> so it's like the most savage thing and um it was it was just really crazy crazy loud too like anytime i get in a new turbocharged car and i'm like why does this sound so boring yeah. i look back on older cars mm. turbocharged cars i'm like well this sounds phenomenal that's why do you old yeah. yeah i'm like why do new turbo cars sound so bad so um yeah but uh, again you know things like the exhaust system it's a it's a 3d printed titanium exhaust and the tip of the exhaust is more than a bmw m4 <laughs> 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 you know? so, so when you start to build 
the components of this car and you're like, oh, how have they achieved, they achieved this? It's because the checkbook was blank. You know, they were just yeah. like, let's, it, it, whatever it takes. So it's, um, yeah, it was a special journey experience. Yeah. Incredible, incredible cars. They, they are in every now and then, you know, I do these like five car garage type things and, or someone says yeah. like, if, if you had like a stupid car, what would it be? And it's always, I'm always like tempted to have like a yes go or something in there <laughs> yeah. just because I'm like, yeah. that is to me like peak nutty at yeah. the moment of like yeah. stuff. Like, okay, maybe I would have something with a V12, but I, you look at the Koenigs and you go, well, they've just taken everything to the extreme. No one else mm. goes quite that far yet. Yeah. And it's just another yeah, yeah. level. Yesco will be phenomenally interesting because they have, it's the first time that they've put a different type of gearbox in their car. So yeah. all of their quote performance cars um, have the single clutch box and their sort of Grand Tourer, like the Ruggera has this direct drive um, yeah. thing. So technically no box. And this new box um, has nine clutches. Uh, yes, it weighs half the weight of a twin clutch box and the shift speed is like just nanoseconds yeah um that will be super interesting to sort of finally feel a a driver's koenigsegg with a gearbox that will probably react in a similar way to a twin clutch but with the weight of a single clutch yeah and it's like game changer yeah it's like half the weight of a 458 gearbox but yeah handling yeah. four times the power or something <laughs> yeah it's the most ridiculous thing so that will be really interesting um they they were they were supposed to be going up the goodwood hill climb but i don't think they are now which is a shame so well we'll we'll know we'll by the time this comes out so this will be yeah in, i don't know three weeks four weeks something like that we'll yeah. have um we'll have seen seen what's coming at goodwood and all that sort of stuff cool. yeah um yeah. So there's no, no point in really commenting on it because we haven't seen it. Um, well, no, that's it. <laughs> keeping your uh, your skills sharp during this this yeah. time of driving all these Koenigs yeah. and whatever you 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 yeah. done a bit of racing and you've now moved on to mm. a bit more. But you did um, did a bunch of Caterham racing. I did Caterham Academy last year through 2020, which was remarkable that that even happened because when you look back on yeah. how restrictive 2020 was. Um, we just managed to slot in the calendar as an open air event. Uh, it was mm. easy to social distance because you're outside um, you're and you didn't share yourself. a car or anything like that. So it's fine. But um, yeah, that was m my first year's racing was in the Caterham Academy last year. And uh, it was it's one of the best things I've ever done in a car. It, it's just the most phenomenal experience, um, both from, in, you know, in terms of enjoyment, but the learning you do, like how mm. how much it improves your driving game. There's something about, as you well know, Sam, being in a racing environment, your cognitive switch gets dialed up to a level that you don't find on a track day. And I think that's just this like primal competition in you, right? It just sort of something gets unlocked when the visor goes down that <laughs> you don't get when you get on a, a track day. And so even though I only had six races in that series, I honestly learned more in those six races than I would do in six years of track day because you would yeah. never find that, that, that amount of d 
determination in yourself to find that last yeah. piece of traction before you end up in the gravel. Uh, and, you know, when there's a, other cars around you and other competitors around you, everything just ups. And I just felt the value in that from yeah. a learning point of view was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's an amazing, isn't it? Like the first, I remember like season, the first season I did in a Radical uh, in the SR1, the first eight races or whatever it was, just being like, oh shit, like I've, this is, what the hell? And then you look back at like what, how you were doing at the yeah, start and yeah. you're like, oh my God, I mean, I don't think I'm very good now, but I was awful back awful then. Awful back then. Yeah. And this, yeah. the whole thing of, like I said, track day to even test day, track day to mm. test day is a test massive day. step up. That's because a step up. Yeah, absolutely. Track day, everyone's like super polite. Like you're not mm. allowed to overtake them. Test day, people are just like, get out the way! Fully <laughs> launch it, don't they? You know, it's, I mean, <laughs> most people, unless they, they've been on an RMA track day, which I think is probably the only organization which allows ov- overtaking on both sides, yeah. Um, I think even the most seasoned track day guy, when you get lunged up the inside from a car of a different class to the car that yeah. you're in, I mean, you know, any downforce car, if you're on the track with a GT car, they're like the most aggressive mosquito ever. They just yeah. <laughs> like straight up the inside and they will outbreak you and undertake you and dive you and chop you up. And race day is only really, um, for me anyway, I felt... Uh, the only difference between a race day and a test day is there's points at the end of it. Like I've seen some <laughs> test days which are absolutely mental. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that do test days and um, mm-hmm. they definitely often drive a certain manufacturer of car, but they just they just don't seem to have any respect for anyone else whatsoever. And you're yeah. like, guys, it is yeah. a test day. It's not it a race. A so if yeah. you put my car into a wall... That's not yes. a legitimate, not safe, cool. fair thing. It's yeah, not it's cool. not cool. <laughs> but yeah, like, and then I think something that I've found, in, and you start to get comfortable with quickly, and you you probably found this, is being really close to other cars. Like, yeah. just behind, like, right yeah, on like someone's bumper. Yeah. Like, yeah. Flat, mm. like, flat. Like, yes. flat on someone's Full bumper. Yeah. Or, like, right door-to-door going around the corner, and, <laughs> yeah. like, both of you sliding, and you're like... Ah, I think we got this, we got this, we got this, we got this. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any standout, standout moments in the catering? Um, yeah, I mean, every race had a standout moments, I guess. Uh, you know, what's what I found fascinating about caterums was actually, even though the, the theory of the academy is everyone there has had no race experience that doesn't mean to say they haven't been testing all year the year before you know but in theory no one's had any race experience and what i was quite surprised at was actually the top sort of you know six or seven of us we were going around like a shoal of fish it was that close we Mm. were just this constant pack and you know i learned a lot of racecraft in that moment because as, as you were just saying the proximity that you have to adapt to isn't i mean you know if someone hasn't experienced it, it it's 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 like we're, we're gonna die here like, like yeah. <laughs> we're going in because caterums are so small it's not uncommon for us to go in like four abreast right so yeah. after Loads that after you've learned to be comfortable around each other and what's what i always found weird about caterums is they're classed as closed wheel but 
when you see a lot of the the crashes, they are not yeah. closed wheel. Like <laughs> I've had many an incident where I'm interlocking a wheel. Um, if I, one of the videos I put out last year, the thumbnail I used for the video was a screenshot of one of the crashes which took place. And this dude, sure enough, interlocked wheels and just gone and launched. And he's like, he is airborne, right? That genuinely doesn't happen if it's a closed wheel car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so um, yeah, so open wheel, you know, wheel to wheel racing is pretty dicey. But from a strategy point of view, Catrums have the aerodynamics of a house brick. And yeah. so weirdly, on the last lap, you don't want to be first because you want to benefit from the aero toe from the guy yeah. in front of you. What quickly transpired was actually you could do with being fourth or third because <laughs> almost the deeper you are in the aero train, yeah. the more hole you've got in the air. And it yeah. wasn't uncommon from some dude who had been like nowhere, like fifth, all race, just goes right down the start finish straight massive toe and get like second you know so that was pretty that was nuts um and like incredibly disheartening too because like you put all your effort into like the best racecraft you've got and then some guy just catches the bloody toe and breezes past you you know so that was that was cool um and then you know for me it was finding the other drivers uh who were who were basically the same speed as you um because there was a lot of strategy the race in caterham it it wasn't one in qualifying but unless you had a toe partner during quali you didn't really qualify that well so after a few races you would find a mate who was your speed and you go okay on this lap i'll tow you and then you'll get the pull and then we'll swap roles yeah. And that would help a huge amount. And basically, if you didn't have a toe partner, you weren't top four. So yeah. that was r- really important. Um, so it was a huge amount of, st- of strategy before the race e- even started. And then after that, it's each man for himself, isn't it? So, all right, thanks for the toe. Now, I'll see you on yeah, the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, thanks nuts. for the toe. Oh, oh I've, I've actually got a flat. I can't tow you. Yeah. And you're not... No. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, but it was great. Made some great friends too. And uh, I I actually think that's one side of racing which doesn't get spoken about that much. Is everything, because you'll know from, you know, time in SR 1 and 3 that there's a lot of hanging around, isn't there? Like, so much there's a lot of just Ask any like, wife, girlfriend, pits. partner, <laughs> mate that comes along to a race. Yeah. There's just a load of hanging around. It's weird. You'll like allocate like two days of your life to about 40 minutes worth of seat time if it goes <laughs> yeah. well, like if it, if it works out well. And it's really, really hard actually that. So so what is important is the people that you're hanging around with, right? It's mm. like if you're hanging around with a, a load of people you don't like, it's going to be a really long weekend. And yeah. so after a, a while, I think the by and large, I mean, you always got some rogues, but, but by and large, I think when you're in a in a paddock, bunch of people who race you're all of a very similar mindset and so the fun in the pits is great you know and you meet some great people and then you'll end up seeing those guys outside of a race and yeah you know what i mean it's more it's more than than just that and i think it's that's important it's so much more fun being at a race event when you know people like Mm -hmm. if if you know people on track off track around rather than 
the idea for me of turning up somewhere and racing by myself with a team I didn't know and yeah. against people I didn't know is not actually, that's really not very appealing at all. I know a lot of people, yeah. that's what happens. But like for yeah. me, it's about hanging out with a couple of friends for a weekend. You go and have dinner in the evenings. You hang out during the daytime. You do a bit mm. of racing. When you're on track, you know, like you've met probably half the grid at least. And uh-huh. so when you're on track, you know them. You're like, oh, yeah. that's so-and-so in that car. They are going <laughs> to yeah. just catapult down the inside, <laughs> take someone else out, let's avoid yeah. them. Or <laughs> this person, oh, yeah, I know him. I can tuck him behind him. He'll break at a sensible yeah. place. Like, yeah. And you can, yeah, yeah. You can you oh, have absolutely. the most fun. Yeah, it's true. You know, I think so, as well, when I first started, it was all quite serious. It was all about, you know, being on the podium and lap times and all of that. And you quickly realize that there's so many other variables involved in this going right or wrong that yeah. is outside of you just, just driving well. And so if you're there just for, for the podium, it can become quite unenjoyable pretty quickly. Yeah. So you've got to yeah. have a good time while you're there because at the end of the day, it's not my career. You know what I mean? I'm not exactly. there for anything more than just content and fun. You're so, not getting yeah. promoted into another category to then, no, you know, race no for deals money. Coming through. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was chatting to someone uh, yesterday, actually, we were talking about racing and that they were looking at getting into t- maybe doing some racing at some point, And we were just talking about budgets. And I was saying, well, the one thing you should know about budgets is no one ever tells you the damn budget. <laughs> like you go and you say like to, you know, let's say, I think you'd probably tell me how much it costs, but like, say, James, you've just done Caterham Academy. How much is it going to cost? And Caterham will say, it's going to cost X. Like, this is the package, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then you yeah. ask anyone else on the grid and they're like, yeah, that's exactly what it costs. And you get to the end of the year and you've spent three times that. Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's that, that's actually what it costs. We just didn't tell you. We don't want to admit that it costs like freaking yeah. 50 grand a year or whatever. Like all racing, everyone under tells you the amount, which is just it's stupid. It's a black hole for cash. Oh, it's it unbelievable. It is a siphon of income. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, it's not, if you're not into spending money, don't go into motorsport because it's, no. it really isn't. It just it, evaporates cash. It's um, it does, and and if, testing. They don't tell you about the testing. They're like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. They're like, yeah. How many? Because the, it's time and money, and they both use it in equal measure. It's a lot cool. of it. And so when I first started, I was like thinking about my schedule throughout the year too. I was like, how many weekends do I have to allocate to this? Mm. So they're like, oh, we've. And what they say is, we've got six race weekends. And, that's, and then they stop the conversation. Yeah. What they don't say is that we actually, we have Friday testing. So actually means you've got to be there on the Thursday evening. Yeah, and Thursday Tracks are never there. on your doorstep. So Thursday's a travel day now, right? They're so never anywhere Thursday you want to go day. either. <laughs> yeah, never where you want to go. They're always in the back arse of nowhere. And so Thursday's tra- travel day. Then you're doing testing all day Friday, which means you've got to have a new set of tires. Minimum. Yep. Right. So reboot that. And if you're testing the teams there, you're going to pay for the team. So t- tires, testing team, hotels, travel, fuel, coach. And then you've got race day, yeah, coach. And then if you're really unlucky, you might have a scrape. And then you, if you want to do race two for the weekend you've already paid for, which you're yeah. going to want to do, then you've got to go to the parts place and you've got to go and buy some parts to put on the car that you've just, yeah. you know, binned or scraped or whatever because you thought you were 
Lewis Hamilton are going to set the next lap record. And then race day, you need some more tyres because <laughs> yeah. you don't want to go out on the ones that you were testing on yesterday. And then, yeah, before you know it, you've had a long, long weekend that's cost you a lot of money. And if, going back to the point we were just talking about, if you spin it and put it in the gravel and you don't come away laughing with your mates, what's mm. the point, right? <laughs> so, and one it. thing that I I've, I did on a particularly bad, it was it was a weekend where the team got it wrong and we and and I got it wrong and it all went a bit wrong and I worked out the cost per minute of racing oh, of driving it was just cost per in a minute in a car <laughs> and it was it was a disgusting figure and you're like why am I doing this oh, like, oh, I, I think yeah it it puts people actually <laughs> the more you do sprint racing and I think you'll, yeah. you'll probably agree with this actually mm. the costs are you can drive you could do an endurance race for the same cost as a sprint race. It just depends on what car you're in. And mm-hmm. when you do an endurance race, you, you get a lot more seat time. Oh, a man. lot more. Like a crazy yeah. amount. Um, so, yeah, to keep the costs down, you, um, what most people seem to end up doing is driving a high downforce car on slicks and wets and going up a couple of categories. So <laughs> how's that that's, been? That's literally what I've just done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it's actually, I'm really fortunate in the, you know, while that, that, that series does have an, an inherent cost in it, Prague is supporting me a lot through that. Yeah. So, so it's been, it's, it's been good in terms of offsetting a huge amount of that, uh, yeah. uh, cost, but, but, um, still it's not, it's, it's still in inherent. I mean, you know, buying a, a new set of slicks, you know, wearables, consumables are not supported. Um, and a set of slicks is 800 quid, you know? So, so, and when you do a test day and two races the following day, that's at least two sets of slicks. Um, and it really depends on how competitive you decide you want to be that weekend. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm really in the mood for putting in the times here. Then you weren't going to want to set a slicks on each, you know, each session. But in terms of experience and just, just, mind-blowing what have i landed myself into yeah, the yeah. world of downforce i mean <laughs> you experienced it from a fairly early stage being in sr1 and sr3 honestly sam it just it's it's recalibrated my brain as, as to what is possible on something with wheels it's really yes. and the biggest challenge for me has been my own fitness um how's your neck be, oh, mate my neck well my arms actually uh, we really? don't have any Power steering. The car weighs mm. 640 kilograms, but it's got a thousand kilograms of downforce, and we don't. And we we have no ABS power steering, aircon, either, mm. um, uh, or traction. And for some reason, I think the caster on the Praga is quite an aggressive setup, and so the load that it generates through the wheel, I've been likening it. What I'm trying to explain to people, because I like it, how heavy can it really be? Yeah. Imagine opening the wheel on the the door of an old vault every corner. <laughs> That's what it's like. That's like I'm opening a vault every single corner. And I come out, dude, and I'm absolutely destroyed. I mean, yeah. it's not... Uh, I was racing with Abby Eaton. Um, she's a pro driver. She's currently racing in... W series, which is amazing for her. She's, 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 uh, supporting several formula one races this yeah. year. And 
But why I'm saying that is she's a very accomplished driver. Yeah, and at legit. Alton Park, she took her glove off and she had two flaps of skin hanging oh. off here down to the like the like pink Ugh. of her new skin because of how hard it is to turn this this bloody steering wheel. So when I get out and I'm trying to set context as to like why I take my helmet off and I'm look destroyed. All I need to do now <laughs> is like show Abby's hands and they're like falling apart. I'm like, that's yeah. how hard it is to move this bloody steering wheel. That's and on top of that, you know, we are in summer. We have no air con. Um, You're enclosed. We're enclosed. We have the full race suit gear on, you know, we've got the thermal, not the thermals, the fire retardant stuff underneath mm. your race suit. And then you got your bloody hands device on and your balaclava under your, Head unit, and um, yeah, I just step out completely shot because the G forces. I'm not y- used to it, you know. Um, yeah, the, the car's capable of three G um, mm. around the circuit, like Silverstone, Silverstone or something. You know, yeah. it's not doing Marius it. Beckett's or something. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and through that, I mean, it's just um, and and I'm filming all of this, and I'm trying to share it with <laughs> the audience, and it's really difficult to convey the, this how fast it is and how extreme it really is. It's, it's yeah. so next level, the amount of grip it's got. So the thing that sets the most context for the audience is when I take my helmet off and I'm like panting mm. and like Jimbo comes along and sticks the camera in my face, expecting me to just do a piece to camera straight out of <laughs> a step out of the car. And I'm just like, hold on a minute, man. It's like, I'll be there in a minute. I'll just, just hold on a second. And I'm like taking my suit off and I'm like blowing down my top and throwing me a bottle of water, you know, and uh, that sets context more than me going, take it from me. I can take this corner and flatten fifth, you know, yeah, yeah, no yeah. one actually knows what that means. So yeah, it's trying to, it's, it's very much like that. And I imagine that's what it was like in the SR3s, no? It's like that in SR3. Um, I don't know. What's a, what's a lap time in a Prago like Silverstone? So we did Silverstone GP. Yeah, we did GP circuit yesterday, actually. Um, I'm I'm aching a lot. (laughs) Um, And the super fast guys are a 158. They're the super fast for the full GP. Yeah, that's really, really quick. I was doing like 204s. Yeah. And that's I, my fast. When I say I'm doing 204s, I did a 204. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing 204s. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so that's, um, that's probably, yeah, it will do it in a slightly different way to um, my Radical because it's mm-hmm. got, the Prague's got more power, but it's a bit heavier. So it'll be yes. slightly faster straights, but slightly, probably mm-hmm. slightly slower in the corners or whatever. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, we do like two and a half. It's it's over two and a half G through like Maggots and Beckett's yeah. or yeah, like yeah, Abbey yeah. Farm. That stuff's mm-hmm. like uh, flat kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I I don't drive the car very much. And my neck, like if we go and do yeah. a heavy test day, so like uh-huh. what, four or five sessions of like yeah. four 40 minute sessions or something. Yeah. That's by decent. the time you're like, you're going around the corner. I don't know whether you have one of these, but like you get a, um, your neck's just like. like yeah, it just falls over. You're just, just resting on the left and then you yeah. go to like, go the other way and then slam it goes around the other way and it's it's it it's actually that yeah. point in time if you're racing and people might have experienced this carting mm-hmm. with your hands and your art forearms where yeah, you're just you like pace. i'm just destroyed and i'm mm-hmm. my pace is probably 10 seconds slower like yeah. it wouldn't i yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah, surprise yeah. me if you lose like it's five not. seconds um, yeah no honestly i i think um while 
there's areas in my driving technique to be improved, I think I'd probably fitness. find the most time in my overall fitness. Because, I mean, brick car, it's they call it brick car endurance, but it's not really endurance. They're like hour long. So it's not endurance, endurance. But it sort of is. I don't know long. what endurance is classed at, but yeah. Yeah. And then how so, often, I mean, so how long do you drive? It's not a sprint. Um, yeah. So it depends on the team's strategy, but generally my co-driver and, and I, Miles, have been splitting it half. Yeah, um, so Silverstone now. was two hours. So we did an hour back to back each. Oh, okay. That, yeah. And then, and I mean, as it happens, we had a electrical failure, uh, three quarters of the way in. So I only did about 40 minutes and then the, mm. the connection from the steering wheel to, to the gearbox broke. So we, we effectively had no, uh, no gears, but up until that point, like 40 minutes into my stint, I was thinking I could probably do with, with this ending now. Yeah. <laughs> I, was getting, yeah. I was whacked out. Yeah. In the, in the pit stops, do you have like a mandatory time you have to be in the pits or anything like that or is it literally like fastest? yes we do yeah which funnily enough has increased due to covid because they have to disinfect the car so oh. they actually like spray the steering wheel and all that sort of thing despite <laughs> the fact when we get no out of the car <laughs> giving each other big hugs you know what i mean so so um but it's it's just brick car trying their best you know yeah, to, yeah. to do what they can make do. it all it all happened. So normally it's a minute and 30. I think we're like a minute, a minute and 50 now. Yeah. For a change. There's, there's enough time um, to like get out. And do they time. fuel? Do they fuel? Um, we only fueled at Silverstone with that being the two hour. Uh, so okay. during the driver change, we also did a fuel stop and during the fuel stop, the driver has to be out of the car. He can't be in yes. the car while it's being fueled up. So and that fuel stop ends up no being belts. about two minutes. Okay. Yeah, exactly that. So drivers step out, fuel dump goes in, then you hop in and something else that went wrong for us, um, the starter motor had broken and we didn't know this okay. and we wouldn't have known if it wasn't for the fact that we had to shut the engine off during the fuel. So yeah. we switched it off. I hopped in and I pressed the starter button. I'm like, nothing's happening. I'm like, have I remembered to like put a kill yeah, switch like, on or something off, like that? On, and then you're like, da, 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 whatever. And then the like team opens the doors and they're all diving in, trying stuff. And turns out it had just died. So our team bump started me out of the pits and it took them so long. They got to the edge of the, the bloody white line of the actual oh, really? pit exit any longer. And it had been done Yeah, any longer. So yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was going great. Miles actually handed the car to me with a 28-second lead. We were, like, nice. on a flyer. And then the fuel uh, – the, sorry, the um, got starter motor <laughs> gave us a – that cost us 40 seconds, bump starting it Savage. out of the pits. And then, as it happened on my on my laps, the bloody gearbox went. So, DNF on my first Silverstone Enduro. Uh, Gutted. Yeah. And then it- – I guess you're not. Are you, you're still at the point. Are you, have you got all of your signatures and stuff like that now? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on a international North D C? now. B, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're I not did D because I was supposed to be doing the Le Mans Classic this year, mm. and it got cancelled. So D was the specific license for a classic yeah. over there. But I think after this season, I'll probably upgrade to uh, C. 
Yeah, you just and you just have to do like a they check your heart and whatnot and yeah, vision and stuff that's like that. It. Make sure but, you're, um, you're not blind and about to pass out. When you there was a point when I was close and and for that for a C you need twelve I think and uh, right. but it's twelve finishes and it doesn't yeah. count if you're doing an endurance race is one signature it, a yeah, twenty four hour race is oh. one signature <laughs> yeah like, it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if you've... It should be like, if you've done a stint, if you've done a three-hour stint, you should get one yeah. signature. Sure. Yeah. Nope. I think you should, get a, you should get a signature for every stint that you complete. For sure. Because a 24-hour race is more racing than I will do my entire year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could do... In a 24-hour race, you'd probably do six hours of driving or something like that. Mm. And yeah. a, a sprint race is 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you could literally just do like a weekend of cater them and get more signatures than you would doing a 24 hour race yeah which is nice so so yeah. if people that are looking into getting their license and they need a certain number of stamps don't do just go and do some sprint races because yeah. things happen and you may not finish and you may not get the signatures yeah absolutely and it might not be your particularly fault. and the nature of the beast is you'll have traveled to like knock hill from london <laughs> Yeah. And then you'll have a DNF and you'll have to go all the way back again. Really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> of, um, of all of the modern classics that you've been driving, yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's probably yeah. modern classics. I don't really know what if there's a definition, like a clear definition for what would be a modern classic. But that, I think that's my favourite bunch of cars. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's been your favourite things you've driven in, from some highlights in the last... I don't know. Yeah. Highlights, yeah. I really enjoyed... I actually... Your F40 formed part of it in a mm. strange way. It wasn't It wasn't uh, a series when we filmed that car. But um, I ha- I've since had a chance to have a go because I think we tried yours in the, in the damp in, in like February, which yeah. wasn't the best time. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, since, since then, I was like, right. I had a small taste of it then and... Um, Ferrari's uh, Seven Oaks uh, arranged for me to drive one in the uh, dry. Mm. And that was fantastic experience. That, that was great. The F50 was pretty amazing. That was pretty serious. Uh, that was, it was, the afternoon I drove it, it was great. It was beautiful and sunny. But the guy who owned it put a, when I say straight through tubey exhaust system <laughs> on it, I mean from the ports. Like it, this thing, it was just ridiculous. And it was fine for the, the afternoon, but you couldn't have lived with it. It was just no. just way too much. Way too but as much, a highlight, but... that, that, that was really up there. The, the, just something about a Ferrari manual V12, like natural. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Naturally aspirated manual Ferrari V12. Just all of the the way that everything was, you know, the weighting of the clutch matched the weighting of the throw of the the gear shifter beautifully, mm. and then there was no power assisted steering, and so when it all got up on cam, everything just felt so beautifully balanced, and the throttle response under under heel toe, the satisfaction you got under executing a decent under braking. Yeah. down of this V12 was just euphoric. Like that was an incredible yeah. experience. I also as well, the RS 997, uh, mm. 3.8 RS and the RS4, do the four liter mm. really ticked the boxes. That That's was a thing, isn't it? That was a special thing. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, as much as I prefer the four liter, there was something about the calibration of, the suspension of the 3.8 for the road on the road probably a sweeter spot actually you want um, you want the 3.8 car yeah. with the four liter engine with the four liter engine yeah that's, that's it the, i was actually the, speaking the to i was who was i speaking to henry catchpole i was talking to, to henry and mm. he was saying that he believes there is an adjustment for the suspension on the four liter to bring it closer to a 3.8, it won't yeah. be quite as it's close all rose because it stuff, has though. rose joints. So inherently, it's just going to be a stiffer car. But you can soften it off a bit. But yeah, those two cars were just outstanding. The <laughs> SLS Black Series, that Ooh. really surprised me. The SLS Black Series, because I was never really a fan of the SLS. It's a nice mm. Grand Tourer, but it's yeah, not the sort really. of thing that you'd like, that you'd, you know... Uh, consider an exotic special, <laughs> special yeah sort of thing right I was, it was just a bit i don't know there's something about it it's, it was just a it's bit not the sloppy. car for me no 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 no. that's it the black series um so i did some like quite a lot of research into that car because for other than like surface info about like performance and engine tweaks and stuff like that there wasn't a great deal of info out there of what the, the majority of changes were from the sls and when i got in this yeah. thing i was like this is a complete, like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, they like tweaked a few things. It was a yeah. different car. I was like, what is this? So anyway, I got speaking to um, Norman, the founder of Apollo IE. Yep. And he had sent the Apollo chassis to a company called HWA, mm. who uh, run German touring cars. And Designed they, they developed the CLK GTR and things like that. And it turns out that HWA were commissioned to develop the SLS Black Series. And so what you actually have is a GT3 chassis. So that's why it felt absolutely nothing <laughs> like an SLS. So and when I learned about that, I was like, this makes a huge amount of sense now because the, I mean, dude, the front end turning on this thing was like a GT3 car. I was like, this is, this is absolutely insane. But the gearbox, like the calibration was just completely different. Um, it sounded way cooler. It was more stable, everything about it. And that was a car that really caught me off guard because I did think it was just going to be one of those like special, put a, yeah. put a badge on and 
you know, stick horsepower, on a wing. Whatever. But it wasn't. It was a fundamentally different car and something that drove really, really well. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, they've done all sorts of things, man. I mean, the one thing I did last year, which wasn't, it's not technically a modern classic, more of a resto mod, was this Volvo P1800 <laughs> Cyan. How right? was that? So this thing, it caught me off guard too. So these guys were in the country. I think they'd taken it to Top Gear for a photo shoot. And at that point, no one had actually driven it. And they said, we're in the country for four days. We'd love to drop it off at the studio. I was like, all right, awesome. Didn't know the first thing about it. Yeah. But it looks sick. So I get there and I find out that these these guys in Sweden who run a Volvo touring car team had taken the touring car engine and put it in this Volvo right? and then done the full like singer sort of treatment on it. Right. Yeah. So it's the most beautiful looking old uh Volvo. I didn't realize it's it this this Volvo came before the 250 GTO. It's a really old car. Um, matter, and they yeah. fundamentally re-engineered absolutely everything. It's carbon fiber, body panels, the the, the full works, and it's set mm. up by a touring car team with a touring car engine in it, mated to a six-speed manual box, and that as well. That was super cool. That was awesome. That so, looks that that came out of nowhere, that car. Like, you know, when you're just like, oh, blah, blah, new car announced. You're like, wait, what? Arresting one from a touring car? What the? And they manage Volvo's cars, don't they? They run the Volvo touring cars. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on here? And it's quite quite amazing because the team that built it, they're not, they don't make cars. They build, (laughs) they they run touring cars. That's what they do. And then they're like, oh, why don't we just have a go at this? And they just absolutely nailed it. Brilliant. It's amazing, actually, being involved in racing on like a low level and whatever and getting a bit of an insight into it. The people you meet working in the teams and working on the cars, they're all there because they absolutely love doing it. And often they all have these like random side projects that you find out about. You "You do what? What? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they're all like they're all so good at just like doing various things and stuff. It's well worth, I mean, obviously, talk to all the people, but I think a lot of people don't. They just sort of arrive in the car and drive. Yeah, I've also found out that a lot of the engineers working on cars are brilliant drivers too. They have experienced racing. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, way better than me. Yeah, way better than me. Yeah, like there is literally, in our team now, there's a guy, he is our like head engineer. And he's raced Formula 3. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And so the guy who sets up the car is giving me tuition. You know, yeah. it's like, it's amazing. He steps out and nice. he's like, yeah, looking at the data, you should probably do this. And I'm like, wow. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it's amazing. It's, it's great that like, coming across all of these people. What is, mm-hmm. um, what's the state of the JWW garage at the moment? What's in? Oh, man, what's out? Um, what's in? What's out? I'm trying to think. What's what have we got? We got a nine nine one Gen two manual GT three, which going. I use as a daily driver. That's about to hit forty thousand miles. Nice. Um, anyone who doesn't follow the channel, I've I've pledged to take that to hundred thousand miles. So that's that's that is a long term. When I say long term, I'll just keep it. I think I'll just keep. It. I mean, yeah. after hundred thousand miles, first of all, who's going to want to buy it? But second of all, I'll have so many memories, memories. on it that yeah. I just think I'm just, yeah, I'll just keep it. So 991 manual 
Gen 2 GT3. Um, we got Aston Martin DBS manual. Oh, yes. B12. Yes. Love that I think, thing. We I think last time we spoke, you just put some, maybe done the hi fi or something on it. Oh, uh, yeah. I had Apple CarPlay upgraded in it. Nice. Um, because it has like MS DOS for Sat <laughs> in that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know about you, but you become accustomed to running around with Waze or Google Maps, whatever your preferred, you know, sat nav is. And for me, I used the DBS plenty in the areas that I knew. But as soon as I was like, I want to go on a road trip, Mm. I was like, I'll take the GT3 just because I knew I could plug in Waze and, you know, even for speed cameras, right? Like just for all sorts of things. So guidance, infotainment, you're on a long journey. You might want to tune into your podcast, right? So yeah. Yeah, if you don't have the option to, and the DBS didn't, it literally had like a Volvo entertainment <laughs> system from the nineties. Like it's just the yeah. worst thing ever. So there's a company called Aston installations who ripped the car apart from the inside, put in all these fancy new wiring looms, and then you pick it up at the end of the day. And there's a nice lightning port in there and you plug it in and CarPlay comes up on the screen and it's bloody brilliant. Yes. And from a, use case point of view i find myself now enjoying that car more because i'm i'm more comfortable going on a road trip in it it's so stupid places, isn't I don't it now how it stupid, yeah. small a thing that is but how yeah. to me a big difference like if a car now most of my cars don't but if if a car had adaptive cruise control oh oh i'd be using that yeah. on the motorway right. all the time Absolutely. but even just well, like now, cruise control so many bloody average speed zones yes. on, the, on the bloody M6 or wherever. Um, and they go for miles, miles and miles and miles. And some of these cars, if it's a sports car, the throttle is sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> and to yeah. keep it, you know, to keep it on that like 60 mile an hour for like oh, 13 miles, I have to go here. It's nice then, to just press a button and go chill. <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. And you can just like relax a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Concentrate a, a bit. on... It just takes a little bit of stress off. You're not know, doing yeah, 120 miles an hour. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Exactly that. So, um... What else? Yeah. So you've got the DBS. DBS, uh, F12 TDF. Mm-hmm. Still enjoying that. That's a lot of fun. That thing was, was supposed to have a lot of trips and things lined up for that. Um, because it got cancelled so much last year, I even tried selling it. Yeah. And then as things eased up a bit and there was options to use it, then I brought it back again. And I'm thankful mm. I did because I got to make a lot more content with that. And that's been, been great. Um, but I don't really know what the plan is with that car. I've probably hit one of the, the longest standing cars on the mm. channel. Um, you know, the nature of the of automotive YouTube channels is there's always chop and change. Yeah. And it's kind of like um, they're almost characters on a show, you know? Yeah. The people begin to like them or not like them. And um, after a while, when you've run one for three years, well, actually almost four years now, you've kind of done the content yeah. with it. And I think, you know, while to a degree some of the cars I buy are a personal choice, I wouldn't have this many cars if it wasn't for the fact that I'm running a business that films cars. Yeah. So a lot of the purchasing decisions behind cars is how will this activate content? 
will the audience like it? Is it new? Is it, is it exciting? Yeah. Etc. And having that car for the last three years, I've kind of ticked every box with it. You know, we did mm. Targa Floria with it. We drove it up a volcano. We've done all sorts of stuff <laughs> with it and it's been great. And, and now I'm like, now what? Do I do it again? You know, do I? What? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. So, but, um, yeah, so, so that's about 992 Turbo S. Mm. Uh, that's a great thing. That is a cool car. Weirdly, because I've made this commitment to do 100,000 miles in the GT3. Yeah. I generally don't use the Turbo S for what it's intended for. It's quite odd. So Turbo S is like, let's go do a drag race, you know? So yeah. one of the videos we did in that, in fact, it was the first drive with the car. We took it to Sidewell Autodrome or somewhere like that. And we did 211 miles an hour in it the first day. <laughs> the first day we drove it. It's amazing. That was cool. So, but as a road trip car, you know, that's obviously what that's about controversially i actually think that car's too stiff i think it is it's as stiff as my gt3 yeah and it's not yeah and i don't mind it being that stiff i'm used to cars like that but the purpose of it i don't think it needs to be that stiff has it it got big it's got big wheels on it doesn't it huge 21s yeah the reason it's got big wheels is that they decided to fit 10 piston brake calipers to a larger diameter carbon ceramic disc and to accommodate a caliper that big (laughs) around a disc this big you have to have larger wheels so it has like i think it's staggered i think it's 20 21s okay um and so it's got some it's got some squat you know it's got some stance about it um yeah because i think that the 992 turbo would be a a much better cruising drive around kind of car than the gt3 yeah. but you're saying they're, they're quite similar is it more refined inside definitely like in, yeah i mean it's, it's way more not only is it more refined because it's a turbo but it's more refined because it's a generation on as well yeah. i mean my gt3 is a 991 the, the turbos are 992 so the, all of the interior and everything is all, all taking that step up to 992 yeah, yeah. but fundamentally it's no different than a Carrera Four. There's just a few more bits of tweaks here and there, and you can spec them very similar. Like you could, you could spec an entry level Carrera to have a not dissimilar in- interior if you wanted. You could tick all the carbon boxes, and it would feel, you know, a similar yeah. car. But is it's it quite loud? It's like road noise. Yeah, it is because it's got such massive tires. So yeah. it's a heavier car. I mean, it's 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 almost three hundred kilograms heavier than the GT3. Jeez. Which is a lot. Yes, yeah, it's, it's lot. huge. But of course, it's it's four wheel drive, so it's got an extra diff in it. It's got it's probably got a hundred kilograms of of sound deadening and wiring looms because it's got like eighteen way uh, adjustable seats and like yeah. twelve speakers and all of this stuff that the GT three hasn't got. Um, so yeah, the road noise isn't 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 great, but I think that's predominantly it's it's fat tires. But for me, when I take it down. A British B road, which anyone who's listening outside of the UK are generally are quite terribly surfaced. It rides in a, uh, how do you describe it? You know how you've got like secondary ride, you've got primary ride, secondary ride, the staccato bumps, as it were, shorter yeah. bumps rather than the, the sort of Big, compressions yeah, are quite yeah. sharp. Okay, and I, yeah. and it feels a bit more like it's been through the GT department mm. rather than the road car department. And it's not that I mind it. It's just that 
for me, different cars should have a different application Purpose. and feel. Yeah. And when I get out of it, it feels like a quieter GT3 <laughs> because, yeah. because it's, it's so stiff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I'm, it's odd. I haven't read that too much and I'd be interested to hear what other journalists think Cause about it's, that. But cause you hear, my experience anyway. Like a, a lot of people said when I first started seeing, you know, reviews and whatever, that it had shifted yeah. more towards GT3. Like it, it yeah. felt more involving than any other turbo before and, and all that sort of uh-huh. stuff. And I think it is an interesting one because like your point, and I think my understanding of the turbo is it's always been that kind of bit like the 812. Like it's, yeah. it's a very fast but comfortable car to kind of cruise around with and also be very yeah. fast. And yeah, you could take it to a track if you want to do, mm-hmm. but it's not really what you're doing. As soon as it starts becoming more hardcore, you use yeah. it less and yeah. it starts it. to shift away from that role that it possibly had. People say, yeah, you could just get a 4S yes. rather than a Turbo or a GTS right. yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting yeah, it's a funny one. place where you... I think, yeah, one of the things which summarized it for me was when it had launched and journalists got their hands on it, it lapped the Hockenheim ring quicker than a GT2 RS. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "There's a problem." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "Physics have to give at some point, and to keep that mass in check and make it go yeah. around quicker than a GT2 RS, you're going to have to stiffen things up a bit." <laughs> and yeah. sure enough, that's what it's done, you know. So, and that's, the thing is, yeah. if you drive it anywhere else other than the UK, not quite mm-hmm. everywhere else, because someone was pointing out, like you go to sort of Eastern Europe sure. or something, and yeah. you've got yeah. some yeah. serious holes That's in the road. Serious, but you drive Germany, yeah. Switzerland, France mm. is okay. France is, can be a bit iffy, but yeah. you would have a very different experience because the roads are so much smoother. Absolutely, yeah, um, you're right. I had a good chat with a guy called David Pook who does the tuning or some tuning uh, on Alpine Alpine. I'll say that correctly. A110. <laughs> um, okay. And he, we were talked about this topic of cars becoming too stiff and whatever. And he said the main reason, and I was sort of ignoring sports cars because sports cars, most people assume that they're going to ride a bit mm. rubbish, um, is we're trying to eliminate roll from all, all of right. these cars. So as soon as you mm. start adding anti-roll bars or really mm. stiff anti-roll setups, mm-hmm. you completely ruin the ability of the wheels to go up and down independently of one another on the left and right hand side of the car and therefore the ride quality just drops like through the floor (laughs) dramatically which (laughs) interestingly because i i've you've driven a taycan Mm -hmm. i thought that went down a road i drove one on the smaller wheels probably still 20s um, and i that was one of the best riding cars i've ever been in i think and we talked about that and apparently (laughs) He reckons it's also to do with the fact that because we've got this battery pack, which is quite stiff in the yeah. bottom of the car and all the weight is down low, they haven't had to ramp up the anti-roll. Yeah, of course. And now yeah. the wheels can move around. Like you get in an older car yeah. and you go, like something, yeah. my G3 RS is the exact opposite. Go down a, a road that's like heavily crowned and loads of bumps. <laughs> yeah. Like my yeah. old 911. For example, you get in that and yeah. you go down an old bumpy ass road, you put your foot down and it goes in a straight line and it deals yeah. with the bumps and it's not yeah. that bumpy. 
you get in the GT3 and it's going left, right, left, right, yeah. left, in the ditch there, right, right, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you could go down a road faster, prob-ish, in my old 911, yeah. or like a sedan, than you could in a GT3 RS, because yeah, it's, yeah. it's, tr- it's funny, trying the it? entire time to turn you into every single ditch yeah. bump and everything. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, it's isn't it? Thing, you know? <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm finding with the uh, turbo. It's probably... Yeah. When you when you see it and you step into it, it it's, it's very refined. It's almost like S class did turbo sort of thing. Yeah. It's like a most beautiful environment, but then all of a sudden it's got this harsh edge to it. Oh my God, I wish it was just just rounded off a little bit. So but it is like seven hundred horsepower. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute beast. I mean, it's really in terms of something that's going to pick apart a B road. I don't know anything. I honestly don't know anything yeah. that would do it that that well. But there is definitely a slight compromise in the daily ability of it as a yeah. result of that. I think so anyway. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's and, it, and in all of these things, it depends on your own personal usage. I had a very long chat yeah. with some people uh, about GT3s and saying my ideal spec, I've, I've evolved my ideal spec on a GT3 right. or RS or something. It's the, uh-huh. the driver's seat is a fixed bucket. The passenger seat yes. is a folding bucket. Folding. Uh, wait for it. Yeah. And then behind the passenger... Yeah. is a passenger seat oh, and behind the cool. driver is no seat. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> then you oh, can have so three here's people. A, here's a question for you, right? Because I, I, listen, I love the GT3 touring as mm. most people do. However, I seem to be the only one <laughs> who doesn't love it as much as I think I might do okay. if it was an actual different product proposition. Yes. Meaning, if it had back seats in it, what, what, why, why does removing the wing classify that as a different product? Right? It's it's a GT. It's a D-winged GT3. It has no other use case. It doesn't facilitate any different function. So no. why is it now a touring? Like to me, when you put a touring badge on it, it has to do something else that a GT3 doesn't do. And right now, it just you just look a bit less obnoxious <laughs> right yes, yes that's it's it like, okay i don't, it should I don't have, have a fat wing it yeah. should have it, like back seats i i don't know what the process is and and yeah. how much extra effort whatever to have back seats in but there's back seats in other 911 yeah, yeah. so come on i know and i like back seats and also and this might uh, be a stretch too far but i think there was a ride. 996 yeah softer ride just slightly more just robust a little bit. Ride, effectively yeah. yeah just slightly more road bias ride though i think it was a 996 there was a 996 where the rear window opened up sideways yes like yes. the 570 mclaren 570 uh, gt 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 did and i saw this photo and i was like now that's a touring right yes wouldn't it, how amazing would it be to lift up the rear window of a 911 and use wicked. that cave of usable space rather than having to stuff bags between carbon fixed bucket seats that come in a GT3. Yeah. I don't know. I just think they should have just said, oh, and I've got the D-winged option, not yeah. a new product class. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but at least now with the, the new GT3 that mm. one can buy, but a lot of people can't buy, but can't. Um, yeah. you can just take the wing off and it you has can. a ducktail. Looks yeah, great. and it looks cool. It looks really and it decent. Looks cool. It looks great, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't know how that looks at the arrow, but 
But I fancy it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll look great. I, from the shots I've seen, it looks good. And bearing in mind, they're still fairly new. Um, I've seen loads of people doing it. So it must be quite yeah. easy. <laughs> I, I, I was going to do it for my RS this weekend. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. I'm just going to take it off oh, for like a day. Yeah, yeah, do it. See how it goes. Why not? Yeah, why not? And then first I mean, roundabout. Like, normal what? speeds. It'll be fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. it'll be okay. I think it'll be like hundred miles stuff, an hour. It's going to make yeah, no difference. Yeah, no difference. I'm sure it'll be fine. So yeah, I might. I might do it as well. Actually, so I've got a 992 GT3 arriving in about three weeks. And the plan with my <laughs> know, sorry, the plan with my current GT3 was okay. Maybe I can de-wing that now because I okay. thought, what's the what's the opportunity here? Mm. Rather than having two GT3s that do the same thing, if I de-winged it, it's the closest thing to a touring because it's yep. got the six-speed manual in it. And I saw a, a company that does a like a ducktail conversion. Yeah. Part. So you can put this little ducktail on. Okay. I was yeah. speaking to the guys at JZM, mm-hmm. and they also have a, a, a kit. And what actually I quite liked was they actually revised some of the aero underneath the front splitter. Okay. So it's yeah. not just a take the wing off and hope for the best. There is actually <laughs> some some consideration there to of it. The front changing. End, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I quite fancy doing that actually at some point. Because I think I was looking at this, like, what is the process of turning a a nine nine one into a touring? Because actually, yeah. a touring has the the normal Carrera wing that pops up. It does, yeah, it has which the makes it automated wing. Yeah, and I wonder, I, I've not seen, but I wonder what there underneath, and you know how much. It, yeah. Presumably, it's not a massive job because I don't no. think it was a, a big process. Yeah. But you know, like, are the no. electronics there? What's the just? Yep. Do you just get a, the back of a C2S and just go dunk and it's <laughs> and done go, well, with like a little in. bit more and then yeah. tweak the aero intake a little bit and you're probably sorted. Yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting. Yeah? It'd be worth speaking to a Porsche dealer about maybe and going, hey, what if I wanted to do this? Because <laughs> it's it's got to be cheaper than buying a Touring for sure. Yeah, I mean Touring is still at a premium now, you and know? there's none for sale. No. There's hardly any about, and when they are, they're like super low mileage at a crazy premium. So, yeah, yeah, you might be better getting a a slightly higher mileage GT3, and which are now starting to like settle off because mm. new ones launched and whatnot. But uh, actually, the the manual GT3s are still fairly rare. Um, there's plenty of yeah PDK ones out there. There's just no cars um, for sale at the moment. No, it's funny one. Well, there's this um, not that. This applies so much to pre-owned cars, but you've obviously heard of the semiconductor shortage. Yeah, yeah, that's happening right now. So, so um, my Porsche dealer told me if I was to place an order on a facelift Macan, mm-hmm. and if it had that, if it had the adjustable seat function with the option to program it to yeah. different drivers, you know. Um, it's a 12 month wait for a, a Macan based on the shortage of these yeah. bloody chips. It's crackers. And so as a result, all of the used stock's gone, no new cars are coming in and everyone else is looking at or holding on to their pre-owned yeah. cars and the prices are going bonkers. It's nuts. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in a place where you've got like cars, new ish cars that you mm. can do without, 
Because the problem is, it's, it's all very well it's selling it for yeah. a high price, but you want to replace yeah. it with something, you can't get it or it's yeah, expensive. So sure. it's That's not right. really yeah, much yeah. point. Do we look at ordering my wife a Range Rover and currently the factory is shut? Cause she like getting get. robbed. Yeah, she does. She really likes one. <laughs> That's probably not what such should, a problem. What should I do? Where you yeah. are. Um, is, yeah. Wait, hang on yeah. a minute. Is there a new Range Rover coming soon? Well, there is, yeah. Um, in fact, on my journey to Bicester, as soon as I get on the M40, I see mm. them. And they're all camouflaged. Yeah. But I see this new Range Rover doing some sort of shakedown. So it can't be that far away. I would imagine it'll launch next year sometime. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, we didn't go for the Range Rover yet. <laughs> so it's <laughs> probably not a bad thing. Uh, but uh, exactly the same same story right now the factory is on pause because it's got they've got all of these uh chips that they can't get hold of it's gnarly yeah. it's mad it is mad but we'll, we'll get there all these things yeah, will reset we'll that's it yeah whatever and everyone will realize that they've no longer got any money next or whatever year. i'm hopeful for next year this year feels a bit of a write-off not quite as much as last year but there's definitely an overhang isn't there yeah from it. massively yeah. yeah we'll get there we'll get there yeah right that's it well Normally wrap this up with five questions, but you've been on here a few times, so there's no point in asking cool. you exactly the same ones again. Uh, uh, right. Five five car garage. What would you oh, have? Oh man, have this we is the reason I sold like... my bloody F40 asking this question every week. Because <laughs> you realise the cars you actually own weren't in it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so just before we get onto that, why are you selling the F40? Why am why I'm am sure I selling the, or sure why has it sold already for, already for loads of money or whatever? Yeah, well, but yeah, exactly that. Okay, when why we am I selling it? Recording it's a good, this, it's about to go for sale. It's a good question. It's um, yeah. I've I've had it for six years. I've That's used been it six years. Wow. Yeah, That's I've cool. not used it very much, and mm-hmm. it's not really been for for most of its life. It lived outside of London, and it didn't do very many miles. But the only miles it did were. Me driving out to sort of Oxfordshire, get in the car like we did when you came. Yeah, go for a blast, put it away. So only doing right. like mm, thirty miles, fifty yeah. miles, whatever at a time. Right. But like coming back, like hair standing on end. <laughs> Whoa, that was an experience. Yeah. Time to put it yeah. away. That was good. Um, and and then I sort of thought, you know, like it's obviously the values have gone up a bit, mm. and you're there with this car and. It, it worries me parking it in places. Like, if it gets scratched, the respray yeah. is a real problem because you it's, because it's an F forty, and it's the whole weave thing. Because yeah. you can see the weave through the paint. If you re yeah. if you like fix it, you're gonna lose yes. that. You, you can't see that, and uh, that that stresses me out a little bit. And so it's it, all of these factors, but mainly if. I, I moved house in London, so I now have mm-hmm. a double garage and a bit of space to have another car. Yeah. So I've got three cars at home that I can drive straight out. And I had the F40 here for like three months, and I drove it once. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, and it's because so it's just like... don't use it. I, yeah. Like in, if I'm in London, I'll take the little yeah. electric car, zip sure. around. Yeah, totally. Right? If I'm going on a road trip, or driving somewhere with Rosie, for example. Yeah. Like, we're not taking the F40. Like, we could, no. but mm, not. not. <laughs> no. uh, so you get in a different car. 
And then yeah. I was like, well, I'm not taking it on track days because it's worth too yeah. much and someone else might yeah. punt it into you. Um, I got an opportunity to do a private media track day. So basically mm-hmm. only car on track, pretty much. And no right. rules. Do we like yeah. it? Um, yeah. which is the best way to do a track day. It's the best way to do it, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that, that I, I drove it on track and I, I basically said, like, I've now signed it off. Like, I've kind of right. done... Okay, I've, I've, take that box. I've driven it on the road. I've had my fun. Yeah. I've driven it on track. I've had my fun. Yeah, like, yeah. what would I want to do more with this car? It would be like, I would like to drive it more on track. And like, no, that, that, that's a bad route to go down because <laughs> it will get down. It will, it will eventually <laughs> come unstuck. Yeah. And like... I'll have just as much fun in my G3 or just as much yeah. fun in a Cayman. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Track fun is about hooning, totally. not the car yeah. you're in. And yeah. Um, yeah, it sort of just got to that point where I'm like, nah, I'm kind of done. Like, it's, and I get told yeah. by a bazillion people whenever I say I'm thinking of selling it, no, you'll regret that. Don't sell mm-hmm. it, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. if it was just the car and the car was worth 200 grand, yeah. or 100 grand or something and it i, I just had the car i would yeah. keep it because i think it looks yeah. so sick and i would drive it yeah. like a couple of times a year and i would love that but i don't so like yeah. it's, it's time and, it, and it's and it's not worth 200 grand no <laughs> and, that, and it's not and not you go i could yeah. use these this 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 money for something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like cool. i think well, that's that's fair enough man and yeah. and pandemic as well. Like I don't know whether you found this. Yeah. I, I'm really like, what do I enjoy about cars? What do I enjoy about playing mm-hmm. guitar? What do I enjoy about well, all this other stuff that I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, is this item that I'm owning adding to that or not? And cars are very yeah. expensive to have. Yeah. And you yeah. go, I'd swap it for something else that I might use. Yeah, eight twelve. No, absolutely. I've, yeah. Very well, different already, experience. By the looks of things, you've already got more use out of that than you have the F40. I've, I've driven more miles than months. the F12 already. Yeah, yeah, which is great. And, you know, they are ultimately for using, aren't they? You know? Yeah, and if you're not it. using it. And I love... I love point. It's just the A or B, and which would you pick? And the answer sure. is I'm picking my G3 RS more of the time than I would pick. Yeah that are 40 cool. for all of the reasons Fair discussed enough, yeah 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 so, awesome. yeah that's it cool. really we'll see Bago. okay hopefully so, someone buys it for lots of money do you want to buy yeah, it 40 that's it <laughs> I, I, do you know what i was really tempted when i drove that when i drove the the red one uh from seven oaks i was yeah i was like actually yeah cool and then weirdly i had a similar mindset to what you've got without having even owned one yeah. Um, because I thought, you know, this is going to be such an occasional car. Yeah. Um, that, you know, what am I planning on using this? And really, for me, a lot of what how I approach cars is what content am I going to yeah. make with this thing? And really, cars like that become quite restrictive in terms of things that you can you do. and can't do with them. Like, um, so, yeah. You want to be able to go on a snow tour. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to take an F40 on a snow tour. No. <laughs> you must have been yeah, through yeah. a similar cool sort of thing be. with the TDF. Yeah, totally. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. High yeah. value and your like, I mean, mileage. I've never stuff. taken the TDF on track. Not done that. I know the audience wants it, but I haven't done that. I've done a few road trips, which have been great. But, um, you know, after a while, you're like, okay, I've done some big road trips now. While, you know, while I don't mind using the car, 
equally, I'm not here to put like 10,000 miles on it. Yeah. So, so it's like, you're almost putting yourself into a hole. You're like, okay, I've done two big road trips now. Mm. Is that the road trip content done now? You know, unless, unless it's like, I really am going to commit myself to having that car for a long time, which I'm probably not like, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe another 18 months maybe. Yeah. But that means you still have to realistically think if I hand this car over with, you know, 4,000 miles versus 14,000 miles, it, it just is a very different story. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just at that similar point. Like it's a lot easier to y- use that car. You don't have yeah. to think where am I going yeah, yeah, or yeah. plan a route or anything like that, but it's a similar you know, thing that I generally stuff. only... Yeah it's, yeah, it's mileage, and I only get it out if I'm going to use it to film something. I don't use it really in my personal time that much because yeah. I'm like, there's no value in this from a channel point of view if I'm not sharing it. So yeah. every time I use it, I'm like, okay, camera's rolling, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, it's a different thing. So It's weird um, that, isn't it? Having a car that you're like, every time I use this, it's documented. As in like yeah. literally every time this car literally has been used, time. it's documented, which is yeah, a weird... Like it's anyone that's not into, you know, making yeah. content of sorts or whatever, has probably not come across this. But actually, <laughs> you probably have it's taken some pictures weird. on your phone or something. But yeah. it's very weird. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's a really odd one. Yeah, it's like, but also the the way that you approach the use case of living mm. with that car, it's there's an element of like personal journey to it because ultimately I'm the guy buying it and running it, but. I use it as a tool for a channel. You know yeah. what I mean? So I'm not like, I never like, hey, wife, let's go to the restaurant. We yeah. never do that. We just don't do that in that yeah, car. Yeah. She'd, sooner, she'd sooner take the bloody four by four, right? And you've got a so, kid. So, so a kid as well. That's tough. the other thing, you know? So yeah, it is tough. I mean, you know, whether, look, the 812 Competizione's launched and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't know if that's going to do if that's going to do the value of the car any favors or not. Um, mm. And you have to think about things like this. I've also heard that this 812 isn't the last naturally aspirated V12. Yeah. Which I, I thought it would be. One more, I think they're going to squeeze out one more generation. So, you know, it's not like it's the the last of its kind. Weirdly back on to, to this five car garage thing. Um, <laughs> Where we I would probably have this. one in the garage. I would probably have it in there because okay, yeah. um, that that platform, as as you've just found out, you've just ticked the box with the 812 and it's this beautiful combination of exotic usability. You yes. Know? And that's quite rare to be able to go on a road trip in something that sounds that good, looks that good, um, you know, and that can be used in a manner. You know, a GT3, you could say, has the exotic usability but it's not the same not as the a, same as an 812 i mean it's just so beautiful and refined and the better half doesn't mind spending time in it like if i said to loose let's go on a road trip in the gt3 she'd be like how about you go on your own <laughs> <laughs> and i'll see you there <laughs> you know what i mean so whereas the tdf or an 812 she'd jump in it right so so in a five-car garage um, I would like an 812 or a, or an F12 TDF or something like that. Yeah, so, a, a V12 so GT be, car. Yeah, a V12 GT would be super cool. So that would be one. A GT3, it's just, it has to be a GT3. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, I think, I think it would probably be a, just a, a normal 
GT3 with wing. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I'd like, I really do like the idea of a touring, but I've been dailying my GT3 now for like two and a half years. And it's the only thing is sometimes you're a little bit conscious of the wing sometimes, yeah. but it's not like an RS wing. It's not completely yeah. like silly. Yeah. Um, so and I'm the car is pretty like hench anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hench. That's it, man. Yeah, it's not like it's that subtle. So a GT3 would be cool. I think you have to have a track car in there, right? Or yeah. is this not part of the gig? Like, do you have I, to have I, a track I, car? I'm always having a track car. Yeah, yeah. Of so, sorts. so a racing car. Is, yeah. I think I would like to have a car to race. And this gets quite, quite hard because do you go down the sort of classic car route, which is going to hold its value way more than a and you can drive on the modern road. car route? Yeah, you can drive it on the road. I mean, like a, a Porsche 911 two liter cup car. Yeah. Would be amazing, right? Be so you can use it on the road. They hold the value well. You could do Le Mans Classic and race all over the shop. And a bunch of road, or road events. Go, yeah, exactly that. You know, and so you could go and do like Targa Florio or something and do some hill climbs and things like that. Mm. That's that, that car's got a lot of breadth and scope there. However, my newfound love for downforce is disproportionate. And I'm like, I would quite like... LMP2. I mean... <laughs> Exactly right. You could go for an like a you could go for an older LMP2 car, and while you're not going to race it that often, you could do like an endurance legends thing. Right? Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, something like that would be pretty cool. I'd be happy taking an LMP2 car on a test day and not actually doing a race, so you could test it all the time. Yeah, right. That'd be sick. So that'd be cool. Um, the Praga is awesome, actually, and then you could race that. Um, put some um, but, yeah track car of uh, whatever steering blah blah hydraulic steering yeah put some bloody <laughs> power, power steering, steering on the thing so it'd be a nice day out um, yeah so I'd have a, a race car I quite like the idea of an LMP2 car just to test with once and then you've take it somewhere. once you've sampled some some downforce but I think you always there's say no going, there's no going back. You always have to have have some of it. This is why I've still got my SR3. And like, I don't know when I'm, yeah. I might race it again this year, but I might not. But equally, just a couple of times a year, I go drive it and I do like yeah. two and a half, three G around, around the outside of someone else like, on the limit what? in their supercar. And you're like, yeah, mm, like, this is different. It's pretty decent. This <laughs> is pretty decent. Yeah. We, in um, Brick Car, it's a mixed mm. class. So we are, we are on yeah, with yeah. full blown gt3 cars and there's a there's a 911 gt3 full slicks and wings and the Prague is literally driving around the outside of this thing and i'm like this yeah. is like by by anyone's convention that gt3 is absolutely ballistic yeah you know and then this this whole new realm of physics takes over and it just like sucks you through a corner it's mind-blowing and once you've sampled that there's just no going back man you know, you know? that's it it's it it's it's the whole thing of like, I think you first get into sports cars and you drive them fast on the road and then maybe you're lucky enough to get to drive some supercars and stuff and you drive them on the road. Yeah. And then you're like, you drive, might start driving things on track and then you start yeah. driving race cars on track and then you start driving yeah. downforce cars on track. Downforce and once cars, you've driven a downforce car on track, you're like, well, I'm never going to try and drive a road car <laughs> that fast on track because it's pointless. Yeah. Like I yeah. might skid it about a bit or whatever, but like, there's no point in trying mm. to set a really fast lap. You might as well just no. get a race car with downforce. Well, let's face it. Race cars 
ruin track days, don't they? Like properly. When are you ever going to go on a track day again? <laughs> Even track <laughs> days ruin track yeah. days. Like test days yeah. ruin track days. Test days ruin test days ruin track days. Yeah. But when you get into a proper car and you're on a test day, just just you go on a, a track day and you're like, why is everyone having a Sunday lunch on the track? You know, it's just like so or you're like, chill. You're in your Praga and you're coming up to Maggots Beckett's and you're like, I know this is like flat on the way in flat. and then a lift <laughs> for the left. Slight lift. And then yeah. a lift for the right. And like yeah. someone's in front of you in, I don't know, 911 Turbo GTTRS. S, 992 Turbo <laughs> yeah. S and they're hard yeah, yeah. on the brakes and you're like, get out of the Way. <laughs> You've ruined my whole lap. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a different realm, you know. So, so funny. yeah. I think I would definitely have a race car, and I mean, I do love like one. Well, I really enjoy the Nurburgring in a decent road car, like in a GT3 RS, and it is a bit different on the ring because you know it's very much a road circuit mm. and the runoff isn't conducive to when a downforce car lets go like it really lets go um so, so no, on the bad. ring i'd love to take a gt3 you know what i mean a gt3 yeah. around the ring's great um yeah and i don't know what gt3 would be i'd like an rs4 liter if i was to have one gt3 i'd mm. probably go go for that four liter yeah and then i'd have to daily something else because i don't want the big wing on all, all the time yeah but, and then a daily i don't know i've, I've got a um I've got an Aston Martin DBX right now, and I'm really enjoying it. I really half of it is because it's so different to every other SUV out there. Yeah, like most most SUVs, Range Rover aside, they all share the same platform, like literally the same car. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like 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 an Audi RS Q8 is a Urus, which is basically a Bentayga, and yep. you know, same powertrains, all that. Whatever. Blah, blah. Same powertrain, same same stuff and you know these brands go about making it look their own in a very good way but when you get in one and the switch gear is in exactly the same place and it looks the same they just put some alcantara on it to make it feel a bit yeah. different you're like man i could have bought a volkswagen touareg and <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes you know what i mean you know what i mean they're like ah oh, okay whereas aston went really crazy deep on this program and they built their own platform rightly or wrongly i don't know there's probably a reason that everyone shares platforms (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but aston was like no we're going to build our own but as a result it really is its own it's completely its own feel you know you get in it it's got that aston sense of occasion and refinement and inside it's absolutely huge it's got more legroom headspace and boot space than a bentley bentayga nice Decent size, only it just, I just think it brings a different sort of feel to that SUV space. And I've never been a big fan of SUVs generally. Yeah. Um, but this thing drives like a Vantage on stilts. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. So I'm enjoying that. If we'd have had this chat a few years ago, I'd have said RS6. But yeah. I actually prefer the previous generation RS6 than I mm. do this one. I prefer the C7 well, this is, to the this C8. This is an interesting point. Mm. Because I've yeah. been looking at, probably at some point in time, I have to get a practical car again. And um, <laughs> well, I've got my E208. That's great. But you can't really put very much yeah. stuff in that. And I was like, well, what would I buy if I was to buy a thing? And you, you look and go like, well, RS6 is an, it's an obvious choice, but it's, it's, yeah. it's brand new and it's going to depreciate loads. So, but, pro- but also, yeah. I look at the older one and go, ah, probably I would just 
I would choose if you said you can have either. Mm. I'm leaning yeah. towards the older one. Smaller, yeah. smaller tires, gonna ride better. Yeah, looks yeah. cooler. I think kind of looks a bit cooler. Yeah, yeah. No, I do too. And there's something a bit more authentic about it. I don't know what it is about the new one. Like, listen, I wouldn't turn it down. I really like them. It's, it's oh, a brilliant cool. car. But there's something about the old one. I mean, I got to a stage where I thought actually I'd quite like one when I was going down the Apple CarPlay route with the yeah. DBS. There's an Apple CarPlay upgrade for the. Yes. C7 and I thought well, as soon as I heard that I was like man this thing's becoming really compelling now like you can get an RS6 <laughs> performance low mileage they're like instant to the like 50 grand mark now yeah you know the car that was 120 grand like three yeah. years ago adaptive cruise thought, control you know all the stuff solid, exactly all the jazz I thought that is a solid car actually so yeah that'd be cool yeah but right now I've got this big Aston and it's a bit fun it's cool <laughs> one car rest of your life one car rest of your life it'd have to be a GT3 it'd be yeah. a GT3 yeah um, it just ticks all it, when I say it ticks all the boxes it ticks the most boxes it in that it ticks a lot yeah you know you can track it you can daily it you can road trip it it's very reliable modern day Porsches are built incredibly well then they're expensive without being obnoxious you know it's like okay if, it, if you have to swap parts it's not cheap but it's not ferrari yeah um and to get into one as well they're not listen it's an expensive car but you know if you look at the equivalent offering from a ferrari they're like 300 grand yeah so, so they hold so, their value um, reasonably well they hold their value really well and there's something about using them like with age they seem to have they take on their own character and they're not mm. delicate about being really used yeah um i think for me what summarized the gt3 for me the most was i did a road trip to the nurburgring with me and a friend in the car bags for the week we did four days at the ring and it just so happened to be the hottest day on german record for four days straight so all we did was got through one set of tires and drove home again and yeah. it didn't skip a beat you know and i was like this is, and on the autobahns cruising it was great and you got bluetooth and your sat nav and then on the track it was putting in proper lap times you know and it was just great it was cool man so if that was my one car i think it would be a gt3 of sorts yeah you know? absolutely i was driving back from this event at the weekend and um in the in the, in the morning i had the choice of driving 812 or my gt3 rs not a bad choice not gonna lie mm -hmm. and no, um not bad at all <laughs> i decided I'd, I'd take the gt3 because i haven't yeah. driven it in a while and i've driven the 812 right. a lot i was like okay let's just give it mm. a bit of a break and driving back from the event following uh talal in the okay. uh, in yeah, his cool. touring yeah and i was just following and i, I called him up and i was like talal oh, this is just gonna sound weird but like this morning i had the choice of an 812 or my GT3 RS. And like, I drove the GT3 RS. And now following a GT3 touring in my GT3 RS, I'm just a Porsche guy. I don't know why. Like, there's something <laughs> like, I really connect yeah. with these cars and this brand mm. on a whole nother level to, and Ferrari is something different and it is special and the cars are special, but it's, it's, it's not the, for me, it's just not the same. Like I don't have no. the same, personally, I don't have the same connection yeah, yeah. with the brand as I do. And like, uh -huh. for me, the 812 is a car that I will own. 
and I'm going yeah. to very much enjoy the experience of using, but I will, I'm sure I will sell it at some point. Like it will just, yeah. it will get replaced by something else, different, yeah. whatever. But so your three point eight. S. Do you think you'll just keep that? I think you should keep that. GT3 is <laughs> what I'm saying. GT3. Yeah. I think now I'm looking at you know like because I've wanted a touring for a while and I've been looking for one for a while and I ended up yeah buying an A12. It's yeah. different, but anyway, <laughs> nothing wrong with um, that. Not Solid too, math. not massively different in price, and um, I'm very much enjoying that experience of having a paddle V12 car with serious boot space. And yeah, it's the super RS helpful having that practicality. Is the hardcore manual Porsche can take it to the track, whatever experience, and going, right, I've got these two different offerings. And yes, yeah. you could sort of put them into the middle and probably just about, I, I think I would be very happy with, let's say, something like a touring. But now I've got the RS and I'm not getting rid of it. And it is a Aurora experience. Yeah, than definitely. a 991 Touring yeah. by like a, 100%. a notch, like a, a decent, decent margin, notch. A decent margin, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And going, actually, I think this GT3 RS, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it for a long time. Yeah. Use it for the stuff yeah. I want to use it for. Drive it more. Yeah. And probably always have another sports car that's kind of more comfy and paddles and whatever. Yeah. And it could be a Porsche, could be a Ferrari, uh-huh. could be a Lotus. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And, sure. and just... That one rotate, mm. but there's GT3 there. Yeah. Stay, man. Stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. You should. And then again, going back to what we were saying earlier, the more time you spend with a car, the more memories you have on that car. Yeah. You know? I mean, we did gumball in that car years ago. I, we did. You know, I remember. And there's all of these twice. great experiences <laughs> in it. Yeah, twice. Yeah, crikey. So it's, um, yeah, I think for me, a lot of the time, there's always other cars. But I mean, one of the cars I already, I guess I do regret selling it is my Speciale. Yeah, because yeah. I had so many great memories in that. You know, I flew it to Dubai and it's not every day. Mm. You, you send a car from the UK over there and the best man at my wedding used that car, right? Yeah. To go there in. And uh, so it had all these special memories. And for whatever reason, I decided to sell that car. It's a funny move that. <laughs> so, yeah. These things happen and you, you buy, you know, at the time, as long as you're making the right decision at the time. And, you know, fast yeah, forward 10 years, yeah. I might go, shit, I should have kept that F40. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't, Maybe, I'm really but, happy with my t- decision at the moment. The time. Yeah, and like that's amazing. And and the thing about cars is they take up space. Obviously, there's a large amount yeah. of money as well, which is not yeah. an inconsiderable factor. But also space. And like I don't yeah. have space for loads of cars. Yeah. So it's not like collecting watches, is it? Or you can put them in a yeah. wall. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just, just put another one with its receipt and its papers in the That's box it. and yeah, whatever. Exactly. Just, yeah, yeah. No, it's an it's, it. a, it's an interesting one. And oh, I think man. the five car garage, it's yeah. about the amount of space I have for cars. I think really, yeah. as soon as I'm even five is like far too many for me <laughs> to like live with. But five yeah. seems to work if one of them one of them's a race car as well. So I, that kind yeah, of yeah, almost totally. doesn't count. Someone else looks yeah. after it. It's like um, the uh, team HQ. <laughs> but there's as there's something I'm thinking about. Like if I let's say you removed if I started again and I had five spaces, I wouldn't necessarily I think there's a whole bunch of significantly cheaper cars I would like to yeah. own for a bit. Uh-huh. Just because. Like I uh, 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 a yeah, car I'd like to own is a that. the what is it? The Boxster Spider. But the the previous mm-hmm. one. 
Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The ones that are yeah, all white. Gen. I think they're kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah convertible. Cool I think that'd be mm-hmm. fun to have one of those for a bit. Yeah. But I think we have this thing where you, like, when I first moved into my place in South Ken, I had one parking space, one street and one off-road. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically get the most expensive, coolest thing you can afford. That goes in the garage. <laughs> and park it outside. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then yes. like, you've got your, you might have a daily and that lives on the street. And then you end up with two spaces somehow. Maybe you buy, a, rent a space somewhere. And then that's also, like, the next like most expensive amount I can I can spend on yeah, a car, and you have totally. you have three cars, and it sort of works like that <laughs> up until a point where you've got. If I suddenly had forty spaces, I would look at it very differently because a car yeah, adding a car doesn't cost anything. Whereas yeah, right. if your parking space is very expensive, and yeah. you don't, and you're going to have to drive every, somewhere to go and get it, you're yeah, not totally. you're like why would I buy a car that costs I don't know hundred quid. Because I've got yeah. so much faff to add it to the garage. For sure. That's something else as well. Proximity to where you keep your cars is Huge. Like a game changer for use case. You know, yeah. as, as soon as I started storing cars elsewhere, I didn't, didn't, didn't see them. They just didn't yeah. get used. You know, it's a nightmare. So, so, what, so what, yeah, what, but, what lives at home and what gets driven the most? I, I take very few cars home, uh, mostly because we had a bit of a scare with a few people following me home because I got JWW plates on the back of every car. Yeah. Um, and I had people like literally follow me off the motorway, follow me home. Thankfully, that they, they were all nice. When I say all nice, there were four separate incidents over, over a six-month window uh, when I used to bring the, the F12 home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that in itself was pretty, you know, in your face and then you put yeah. jww on it as well so now i daily the gt3 with no plate on it and yeah. you can say oh well a gt3 is fairly identifiable but nothing like it's an not f12 TDF. yeah <laughs> so it's not and particularly if it hasn't got a plate on it it could be someone else's car hmm. so so um yeah anyway i d- did that f- for a while so the majority of the cars are bunker nvn or a uh, storage um, so we're actually in the process right now of looking for a place to have a one consolidated garage um, yeah. because we got cars spread out and, you know, cars I didn't expect to buy. Like the DBS wasn't really part of the plan. It just came up at the right time at the right price. And, you know, that Volkswagen XL1, I mean, that's, that was a super curveball car. Uh, I just always really liked it. And it came up Wait, in an Wait, did you auction. buy an XL1? Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. So, so that came up. A, yeah, we added that to the channel um, last year. Yeah, it came up at at an auction, and it was the right car in the wrong room because everyone who was there was there for like Escort Cosworths and things. Okay, and then yeah. this XL one rolled through, and everyone was like, "The hell is that thing?" Um, so yeah, we ended up buying that, and so you accumulate stuff then all of a sudden I don't have the space for it. So yeah. we need a garage. We need one place. So we're going to need to grow the bunker soon and get like a <laughs> one unit. So yeah, it's cool. And I think the thing with this is as well, if you know, you could ask me this five car garage question tomorrow and I give you five different answers. Mm. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's it. You know, it just, it just changes. And I like that. I think cars, there's always some staples, but I do go through m- moods and, flavors you know depending on what's happening like right now the idea of a resto mod it mm. really appeals you know because uh, and i think 
a big reason for that is when you start to go and race and you realize how much little performance you can actually get out on yeah. the road, you begin to look at your road cars very differently. All of a sudden, the use case of a supercar becomes quite small because yeah. even when you take it on track, it's nothing like a race car. Yeah. Uh, you take it on the road and you can't really use it. So you're yeah. like, oh, well, what about a modern classic that sounds great, looks beautiful and drives well on the road and then save the fast stuff on the track? Absolutely. You know? This is where I'm going yeah. with my old 911. Because um, that that's like pretty fun. But I want to go now, I think... When Ferrari sold, I'm going to look at this in more detail and see what the options are and whatnot. But I want to go older. I think I'll probably still yes. go 911 because I'm just Porsche addict. But either that <laughs> yeah. um, and and go for a, a an early car, an early short wheelbase car. But I want yeah. skinny tires. Yeah, so you can dance around easily. I want it to be sliding at like 30 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah yeah no totally you want you want to redefine roundabout fun exactly you know? exactly so, and like yeah, not yeah. stupid totally. speed yeah sam i'm so sorry i've got to go and pick up my little boy from school mate um it's been good to but chat. it's been awesome and i feel we should do a part two sometime because it felt like that was just getting going it was good it was good <laughs> thanks very much for coming on and uh i'll catch you soon pleasure dude yeah will do thanks cheers guys ciao Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.